I'm just here so I won't get fined. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! It's got to be one of the dumbest calls offensively in Super Bowl history. Are you kidding me? Hard hit into right. Back at the wall. Tie game! Big puppy. The grand slam. Donny Mahoney joins us from uh, Balls.ie fame every night, every Tuesday night around about this time. And uh, this week, Donny, we're talking about something that I suppose hasn't never really captured the imaginations quite like it does uh, your side of the uh, Atlantic. The NCAA Championships Final Four weekend. Why do we get excited about this? Well, it's the greatest um, cup competition in uh, American sports. That's why. It's... Simple as. 64 teams, 68 teams really, 64 teams, three weekends, basketball galore culminating. It's an orgy of basketball that culminates in uh, in a beautiful weekend, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Saturday night, Houston, Texas. We're going to have the four best, in theory, college basketball teams in, in America going for it. To see who's going to be cutting the nets down Monday night in Houston. It's going to be uh, the big dance, as they call it. It's culminating this month, this weekend. <laughs> Uh, so it, it's 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 a good time. You should like. What are you doing at one in the morning on a uh, this weekend? You should have been watching these games. That's true. I'm not going to tell you what I might or might not be doing okay. at one o'clock in the morning in case it's incriminating uh, on a Saturday night, Tony. But uh, cutting down the nets just before we go any further mm. is that strictly college uh, college tradition? And it's so a winning team they get to cut down the the nets at the end of the game. Yeah, that's how it works. Um, it's the sort of symbolic uh, victory lap, I guess you might say. Basically, you only see it in college. You see it in high school as well. I, I, if you're going to ask me where this tradition originates from, I'm, I'm not going to tell you. I don't mm-hmm. know. But basically, what you'll see is at, at, on Monday night, next next Monday, whoever wins, they'll get a, a ladder out and they'll get a pair of scissors. Yeah. And each person on the team, I think there's 12 strands of a basketball net in the way it's connected so each bo- oh. each player climbs up and slices one strand of the net off and by the end either the coach or the captain goes up takes the last bit of the net and they bring the net with them right down and they you know they they'll usually wear it around their necks or whatever one of the players it's uh, it's 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 the sign of victory. See, I was going to compare it to um, cricket players picking up the wicket at the end of a match, but it's much more ceremonial than that. Yeah, it's very, it's very ceremonial. Probably closer to like a junior B team, everyone taking a turn drinking from the cup at the end of a match or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Now, my uh, my main grounding in US college basketball up until this point was the novel by Tom Wolfe. I am Charlotte Simmons, 2004, where he lampoons college lifestyle mm-hmm. and... Uh, Focuses quite a lot on. I think it's a fictional university, Dupont University. Is it, that fictional? It sounds fictional to me. Uh, and a lot of the time, he's dealing with the college basketball team, one one player in particular, and how they're completely mollycoddled, and uh, all sorts of rules are broken and bent to allow these guys to continue playing at the level that they do. I always assumed it was artistic license, but you're telling me it's not. Yeah, it's. I mean, we've spoken a bit about it on the show with Joe over the last year. Or so anytime we talk about NCAA, NCAA college sports, there's always there's always there's always the whiff of corruption around it. You know, yeah. there's there's no in American sports. There's no sort of um, academy systems like you would see in soccer. You know, so if you're a talented 18 year old, 17 year old basketball player, you have to go through the college system. Same with football. But these, you know, it's a it's a outdated way of doing things. But we're stuck with it. 
and um, and it, these systems are rife with corruption. Um, why this is on our minds at the moment is because on Saturday night, Syracuse University will be playing North Carolina University, and these are two teams who are knee deep in really poor academic fraud. Mm. They've been investigated by the NCAA for a number of years. Last season, Syracuse University had to sit out the NCAA tournament. They had they had 108 wins wiped off their record due to academic scandals. The University of North Carolina, they are in the middle. There's been a two-year investigation going into their uh, their program and how they have basically like created a shadow department for their players to essentially completely avoid any aspect of education in any way. Mm. They have created these things called paper classes where guys don't even have to go to school. They have to, the players just have to hand in a paper by the end of the semester, and that counts yeah. as, uh, as going to college. I mean, the beauty of, of college sports in theory is that players are, you know, doing, you know, they're playing sports and receiving an education. That's yeah. the sort of the fallacy, but it's, it's been... This hasn't it, it's been proven not to be the case really you know it's gone to the to the extent where I, I was reading one of the um one of the articles he sent me was um there's like athletic liaison officers who basically are responsible for opening up an athlete's email mm. and replying to emails to to and from lecturers on the behalf of the athlete like I mean the athlete may not even know that this conversation's going on yeah I mean there's famously I mean, nearly in every university there are guys we know we would know them in college these would be guys who would be um they would basically be taking exams for players. Mm. You know, they would put their, they would, uh, you know, put the player's name on it, but ostensibly they would be essentially like getting getting these guys through school. Here's, I've actually got a clip here of uh, this guy named Rashad McCants. He's yep. being interviewed on CNN uh, last year. He played with North Carolina uh, in the, between 2002 and 2005, and here he is talking about uh, the shortcuts that he got while a student. Oh, most definitely. Um... But at the same time, um, as an athlete, we weren't really there for an education. We're there to, you know, enhance on our athletic abilities. Um, You know, as an athlete, you get a scholarship to the university to play basketball. And they didn't steer us in the direction of uh, educational enhancement. So, you know, it was obvious that once I got the dean's list, it wasn't that I wasn't capable of making it. It was that... I clearly didn't go to any classes. So, so what did you do instead? I mean, usually we, you know, worked on um, the playbook or worked out, um, and usually, you know, sleep in and, until there was practice. And, and was it one professor was involved in, in the classes you took? Was it more than one professor? I mean, you know, in this particular case, it's it's more about the system. Um, I think that it's not a really about who is involved. It's the system is available for the universities to exploit these athletes. And I was, you know, inside of this this platform and this system where all these athletes were taken advantage of. I mean, just to make money, the universities make money off us athletes, and they give us this fake education as a distraction so that we're not paying attention to what's really going on under the table.
we weren't really there for the education. Mm. It's quite incredible, really, when you think about it. And I guess, I mean, a lot of people would see these, and certainly it was the way Wolf portrayed it in the book, is these athletes as being kind of cosseted individuals who are basically, you know, being uh, given uh, all the incentives to uh, perform and to follow this lifestyle that they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But actually, when you take a step back and a, a remove from it, I mean, not... I, I don't know the exact percentages of how many college players become pros eventually, but I presume a far greater percentage end up having to rely on these fraud degrees as uh, when they go out into the workforce and have to try and create a lifestyle for themselves. And I presume they start regretting it pretty quickly then. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, very few um, of the guys that you're watching, if you're watching the NCAA tournament, are going to be make it in the NBA. There's just a very it's – a, it's a small percentage of guys that actually can can do it. Mm. Um, these guys have no no choice – but to sort of play by the rules of the system, which means, you know, pretend, you know, basically getting these fake degrees that are basically worth, worth nothing to them once they're done. And, you know, you just wonder where does it all and, you know, behind it all is these these institutions, their need for huge amounts of money. Yeah, that's driving all of this stuff, all this tev- television revenue from ESPN and, you know, all the sponsorship money that's around these these the sports of basketball and football creates this you know this hu- this huge drive and it really corrupts the system you know these are places for higher education you know th- that's what these these places exist for but they're complete the the greed that uh sport creates mm. totally you know it, it devalues everything that the institution stands for and how they justify it as well that the sport kind of helps with the other the other educational facilities that are created mm. uh, it's it's a tough justification to make I know we're, we're laboring this but I, I guess the fact that it's such a transitional playing staff or playing roster in, in college sports means that the cult of the manager or the cult of the coach is much greater mm. when it comes to college sport now uh, both these guys the Syracuse uh, and the 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 North Carolina coaches have been tainted, but not quite have been fully drawn into these scandals. But there's other guys. I I know you've got another guy, Coach K from Duke, mm-hmm. who's who's had his uh, he's been up to his eyeballs in this stuff for a long time. Yeah, Coach K. I mean Jim Beheim, who's been coaching in Syracuse for forty years. Roy Williams has been around for a long time. Coach K. These guys, these guys are like the highest paid. Uh, employees in their respective state. You know, mm. they're getting massive contracts. They're basically autocrats in their institutions. They're hugely powerful. They have people working beneath them to kind of make sure that, you know, the basketball programs function. Now, Coach K, he's never been involved with any sort of corruption at all. He's just hated by everybody. <laughs> everybody, like, if there's uh, if there's one thing I bet you, like, that all Americans can agree on, it's that they hate Duke University. Their basketball team is one of the most annoying, terrible sort of things just they're detested by everybody they they kind of re, they re represent the sort of i don't know posh entitlement and um and okay. sort of republican values republican in an american sense and like they're just roundly detested you might have seen a 30 for 30 on on Christian Leitner called I hate Christian Leitner he was their star in the 90s when duke was sort of you know at their kind of peak powers um and duke and coach K are in the news they lost in the Sweet 16 round to Oregon. Right. And it was sort of like the most, it was sort of peak Duke because after there was the Oregon, uh, their star player was a guy named Dylan Brooks. And he drained a three-pointer with about 10 seconds left. And the game was already over. And he was about, the shot was from about 40 meters away. And it just seemed like, you know, they were just sort of rubbing Duke's nose in it. And everybody kind of was excited. Anyway, Coach K, after the game is over, goes up to, uh, he goes up to Brooks and he goes, he kind of, he whispers in the ear and he goes, you're better than that. You're too good to be doing that. 
and really yeah like i mean just lecturing the guy on the court <laughs> so brooks tells this tells the reporters um and uh it gets back to coach k so here's coach k uh defending himself in the post game press conference apparently after the game dylan said that you told him that he was too good of a player to be showing off at the end like that i didn't say said, that oh cuz he apparently said of you that well, you, you were right well you can say whatever you want dylan brooks is a hell of a player I said, you're a terrific player, and you you can take whatever he said and then go with it. Now, so then CBS, what they did was they they went and they like they pumped the audio up as much as they could on the on the tape, and you can actually hear Coach K saying this, you oh, know, really? you're better, you're than, better this. than this. And the, so then the next day, uh, Coach K had to come out with a statement and uh, apologize for his uh, for misspeaking during the press <laughs> conference with the reporter. So you know, there is a bit of for people who. Like it's hard to really get really excited about college basketball because the system is is just is so corrupted at its heart. It has a dark heart. But then you get these moments where the sort of the goons lose. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's some you know, and there is some really good basketball being played. Uh, Buddy Heald of Oklahoma has totally emerged as one as like a real standout player. He's sort of been Steph Curry esque. He was named College Basketball Player of the Year today. So um, you know, there's the hope that maybe the, like you know. Basketball will win out in the end, but it's hard to know. Oh, you old romantic. Yeah. Um, the, just before we leave, Buddy Hill, is he going to be, he'll presumably be number one draft pick then. Would he be a kind of guy he'd make it in the NBA? Or Comple- I can't say. I have he no idea. It, it seems lottery. completely random who makes it and who doesn't. Um, like the, the best player, cons- presumably uh, before the um, yeah. beforehand, was a guy named uh, Ben Simmons, and he didn't even make the tournament. So uh, Slovakia have just scored a goal. Uh, Stotch, the goal scorer for the visitors after uh, 13 minutes or so. Joe has been watching this game uh, since we left him at the three dugout. Joe, uh, can you tell us what's gone on since then? Yeah, Keen, 13 minutes gone. Ireland nil, Slovakia won. A goal on the break. And it's Paul McShane, really, after Shane Duffy played so well, who won't be feeling too good about life. It was a routine enough situation. We'd been on the attack. There was a throw-in down the Slovakian right-hand side. And there was a bouncing ball which uh, McShane stooped to try and head clear on the halfway line. And he didn't stoop uh, low enough or quick enough because the ball was nicked over his head. Mm. Uh, the move developed down the right-hand side. The ball was squared. And it was actually a really, really good finish by the Slovakian number 10, Miroslav Stoke, who put it into the uh, far right-hand corner past Rob Elliott. Rob Elliott's actually getting treatment now, so I don't know if he's injured himself there. It's kind of come out of nothing, really. There hasn't been a whole lot going on in this game. It's been fairly slow and, and friendly-esque. The only other big chance was, again, another break. This time it was an Irish break. Uh, Shane Long won the ball in our half, ran down the right-hand side, uh, laid it off to McLean, who cut inside and had a really good shot, which was saved by the Slovakian keeper. And they were the only really two moments in the opening 13 minutes, but uh, really, really bad moment for Paul McShane. It's his first start under Martin O'Neill. Yeah. You suspect if you're Shane Duffy, you're kind of thinking to yourself, I've probably skipped ahead of Paul anyway for one. Uh, not looking good for Rob Elliott, by the way. Darren Randolph has uh, taken off his bib and he's putting on his gloves, so it looks like the stretcher's out. Elliott's going to come off, Randolph on. Uh, aside from that, kind of a so-so match. Uh, a friendly pace. Ireland going with what looks like kind of a diamond in the midfield. Uh, so Ewan McCain on the right-hand side of that. McLean is there. 
Hoolahan's there and McCarthy and Whelan. So we don't have owned that much width yeah. courtesy of wingers. It came down, it, sorry Joe to cut across you, it, as you say, Slovakia's right. Our left though, the left side of our defence is serious cause for concern. I can't see uh, Stephen Ward in any of this these replays. Where was he? Ward, Ward was further up the field. It was actually, it was a mishap, it was kind of a, a misunderstanding I guess between Hoolahan and Ward. Uh, Hoolahan was in possession and uh, Ward moved in behind the Slovakian defender. He should have given uh, Hoolahan an option, he didn't and so the ball went out of play and Ward and Hoolan were having kind of a little dispute in the end uh, Ward held up his hand and said sorry like Ward was I think okay to kind of stay pressed up because it was really the throw in for the Slovaks was kind of deep enough in their own half so they, they you know classic uh, Leinster Senior League throw the ball up the line and it was flicked on and flicked on again into McShane's path so Ward was kind of okay he just McShane just didn't really deal with it when it was it was just there for him to go and deal with it so it's kind of on McShane in, okay. the, in the main okay uh, listen, thanks for that, Joe. We'll uh, get back to Joe uh, later on. Uh, Woolley's just come into studio as well. Can you tell me why exactly Rob Elliott got injured? I've no idea. He looked maybe fell on his arm awkwardly or something because he injured himself. He seemed to injure himself. Okay, sorry. I thought I thought you'd spotted it there. Oh, I kind of. Yeah, no, I was just kind of giggling that he fell on his arm and had to go off. It was the kind of thing you see a goalkeeper do every day, you know, just dive for yeah. a ball and he just seemed to land awkwardly. And then he got stretchered off the pitch. I mean, it, it's a bizarre injury. It was a, it's what you call a freak injury. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Listen, uh, Donny, we've obviously run out of time. Um, the Warriors, in a word, are they going to match this Bulls record? They've got to win seven from nine. They got seven games. They've got nine games left. It's there for them. The the stat people say they have a sixty six percent chance of doing it. They've got um, season ends on April fourteenth. We're getting to the crunch stage now. It's an interesting one because there's two games in this run-in with the San Antonio Spurs, who are, uh, you have to say, the second-best team in the NBA. The Spurs have been sort of resting their guys with an eye on the NBA Finals and the NBA playoffs, which, you know, are still months away. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, the the Warriors have been obsessed with this Chicago Bulls record from 1996. So they're going guns blazing for this record, while the Spurs are just saying, oh, you guys do your thing now, and we'll talk to you in May. So, like, I'm not sure... You know the Warriors have ever got caught up with this uh, record, but to their detriment, possibly. Possibly. Okay. So it'll be. We'll see. The the fixtures are favorable enough for the Warriors. A lot of them; those games are at home. They haven't lost a home game in a long time. So um, I think it looks good. But you know whether they win the NBA uh, finals. That we don't know. Okay, and uh, go U.S. Men's National Team tonight. Yeah, we huge got game big, against Guatemala. Big game against Guatemala. The good thing is we're in we're, the game's in Columbus, Ohio, which is the whitest place in America, and we I don't think America has ever lost in Columbus. There won't be any Guatemalans there tonight. Okay, well, uh, listen, Donnie, enjoy your one a.m. Saturday morning, okay. and uh, see you next Tuesday. Off the ball with betdac.com, the sports betting exchange. Serious about sports twenty four seven. Every season, every sport, every team.